with some really helpful uh, advice on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, And so the overall kind of theme is going to be discipleship, spiritual growth. And um, so this is a letter that Paul is addressing to um, a small uh, fellowship uh, in a a small town called Colossae. It doesn't exist anymore. It's just a desert where Colossae was. Um, It was a town on the main road uh, from from Ephesus to the Euphrates. So it was on a fairly major, major route. In the, in the Lycus Valley. Now you'd probably find it, you'd find it in Turkey. So that's basically where Paul was uh, writing to this small group of Christians. And, and um, note that actually Paul had never met these people. So he's writing to somebody that he'd never met. I wonder if any of you have got a pen friend and, and you've written to them and you've never actually met them. Uh, but yet you can have a relationship with them uh, through the written word and uh, in, in other ways. But that's, it is not one of uh, Paul's churches that he planted. Uh, and we'll find out a little bit later about that. Um, and Paul is writing to them, but uh, he's writing to them now from in prison. And I think always remember that when we read Philippians or Ephesians or Colossians and Philemon, that all of those letters were written by a man in prison. Now I wonder if you were in prison, what kind of letter you would write you might be writing to moan about the insanitary conditions in the prison, uh, to complain that the television hadn't got many channels on it, or that you weren't ba- the, f- the prison food wasn't very good. Uh, we don't hear any of that in- from Paul, do we? We hear only words of encouragement, uh, and he sees everything as an opportunity to encourage fellow Christians in their walk with Jesus. And... Um, so here's Paul, um, probably uh, later on in his life. Uh, we, we don't know quite where he was in prison. Um, some, the, 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 I think the majority decision is that it's probably in Rome, but some commentators suggest he may have been in Ephesus, but uh, we, we, we don't know exactly, he doesn't say. But uh, he's certainly in prison, we don't know how long he was in prison for, but that's where he writes from. And the first thing he does is to send greetings to his fellow disciples uh, in Colossae, in what is now now Turkey. So let's quickly have a look at how he begins his letter. In, in traditional style, um, he begins with his own name. You know, we, we start Dear John, don't we? And we put our name at the end. Uh, the traditional way of writing letters was actually uh, to start with our own name, which is sensible. Uh, you know, quite often we get to a letter and we get to the end to find out who's written it, don't we? <laughs> so it's quite helpful to know who's written it at the beginning. And that's what they did. He announces himself as an apostle, which means a sent one. Somebody who's been sent on a task um, by the will of God. Everything that Paul does, he does because he's motivated by the will of God for his life. But it's not just from Paul. Uh, it's actually from Timothy. Uh, so Paul and Timothy uh, are, are writing this letter. Um, not sure whether Timothy was in prison at that time, or sometimes Timothy was free to go while Paul was in prison, but here's Paul and Timothy writing uh, to the people at Colossae. How does he address them? The holy and faithful brothers in Christ. Holy and faithful. Uh, that word holy, ios, is the same word used for saint 
If you go to Ayanapa in, in Cyprus, which I'm sure is one of your favourite holiday destinations, um, that is after that means the word saint. But the, you are the saints. Did you know that? You are a saint. You may not have been canonised by the Pope, but you are a saint if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a very good description of the, of the, the church. Um, the holy ones and faithful. Faithful, or if you look in the footnote, believing. And what does it mean to be faithful? Does it mean to never make a mistake? No, it simply means to believe and keep on believing. And um, so that's who he's, he's writing to. Um, but also he says brothers. Now some of you will say, well that's a bit sexist. He only writes to the brothers. But if you have a look actually at the, um, at the uh, greetings at the end, you'll notice he also includes Nympha there, so, uh, who, who, who's a lady. So th- there are certainly women that he's writing to. It's just a kind of a terminology that, of those days, Adelphoi, uh, which means uh, brothers. But we, we would be happy to say brothers and sisters. He's writing to everyone in the church because everyone is a partner in the gospel with Paul. How do you sign your letters? Um, love, warm regards, best wishes, uh, well, grace and peace. Isn't that good? What two better things to wish us for 2018? Grace. We need a lot of grace, don't we? We're, we're, we're all in this together, but sometimes we rub each other up. Yeah. Um, so we need grace. Grace to be able to put up with, to bear with one another. Grace is an important thing to bless us with. And peace. That's what we're called to. We've been called to peace through the blood of Jesus. Um, And we're to live out that peace, but also to share that peace um, with with others. So there's Paul's very concise greetings to uh, the church at Colossae. Now, um, Keith, if you could put up the PowerPoint, please. That would be really helpful. Ah, oh, yes, you can't put both up at the same time. So you'll have to have a Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, I would suggest you buy one. They're quite useful. Okay. Do you know, the last year, um, Karen and I have been doing the um, Bible in one year, uh, which uh, is through um, Holy Trinity uh, Brompton, Nicky Gumble. And uh, so there's a passage from the Old and the, and the New and the, um, the Psalms every day of the year, and you do get through the whole Bible in one year. But there's an app on the phones... And we've, we've, it's easiest to do that because you get all of the his Nicky Gumbel's comments as well. And we've been doing that in the morning in, in, in bed. But I actually don't like waking up and using a mobile phone. So I'm going back to a paper Bible now. Is that radical? Yeah, I actually like paper Bibles, but it, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're reading the Word, it doesn't really matter where you read it, uh, what, in what form. But um, anyway, Paul's letter to the Colossians, um, and he begins his letter proper in verse 3. And what's his very first word? It's about thanksgiving. He is thankful for the church at Colossae, these people that he's never met. He's, he's thankful, and whenever he prays for them, uh, his prayers are full of thanksgiving for the disciples. Now, um, do you thank God for people you've never met? Difficult to know who to pray for, isn't it? You know, because there's so many people in the world, you know, Auntie Jane, 
Uncle George. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many people, but when, when Paul is, is praying, he's praying informed by something. He, he knows something about these people, even though he's not met them. So he is thankful because of two things. First of all, their faith in Christ. He's heard about their faith in Christ. That's why he's thankful for them. That's why he prays for them. These are people, a church that's been founded by someone else, not Paul, but they're full of faith in Christ. And that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, you may be good at something or bad at something. Uh, that doesn't really matter. The only thing God requires of you is your faith in Christ and your availability. He doesn't require your ability. He requires your availability. Um, and your faith in Christ. And clearly the church at Colossae are are strong in faith. That's why he calls them the holy and faithful brothers in the beginning. But not only their faith in Christ, but their love for the saints, for all the saints. So this is a church which is characterised by faith and love. Now, faith is something that comes from, that motivates you, but actually love is something that comes out of you because of what's been put into you. Uh, and faith without love is, is no good at all, does it? If James talks about that, doesn't he? He talks about faith without actions. Uh, so their faith and their love for all the saints, not just the saints at Colossae, but all the saints, are something that come together. Now, Paul has never met these people, but he's heard of them. And and I'm going to tell you, I heard of you a long time ago. I did. Because um, when I was at Regent's Park College, studying for ministerial training, um, between 1993 and 1996, so how many of you were here then? Yeah, a few of you, yeah, good. Some of you are long-term people here. Um... I was at college with um, a man called Simon Perry. And um, I know that because in college, what you do is you often you meet with fellow ministers and you share what, what's happening in their churches and, uh, and what have you. And, and Simon told me about this really faithful church at Fivehead and, and particularly how he was supported by one of your members called Lewis Misselbrook, who was a retired uh, minister um, and interestingly, I taught Lewis's niece and nephew in my first teaching school in Hertfordshire, you know. But I'd heard about you. I'd heard about you a long time ago. I'd never met you. Uh, and I didn't have any reason to believe that we would have particularly crossed our paths. But I'd heard about this church at Fivehead and the faith uh, that was uh, in, in the church then especially the faith of the faithful few who held the fort when there were only five of you. You know, that's, that takes some doing, doesn't it? It's easy to belong to a successful organisation, but to be there in faith when actually it doesn't look very hopeful, uh, that's real faith. Um, but I'd also heard of you again more recently because when I've been at parties with our now sort of in-laws um, in Isle Abbots, I used to talk to Steve and Boo Grieve, uh, who were members here a little bit uh, more recently than that. And they told me about Fivehead Baptist Church, but I'd never been here. But I'd heard about the church. And so, you know, we all have a reputation, don't we? And uh, our reputation can either hinder or 
uh, you know, it can either be an advantage or a disadvantage, depending on what that reputation is. Well, your reputation was good. You'd be pleased to know. So Paul is thankful for the church because he'd heard about them and he'd heard about their faith and he'd heard about their love. But the question is, where do faith and love spring from? Well, faith and love spring, according to Paul, from hope. Hope in our hearts that actually um, brings out faith and brings out love. And some of you might have noticed a connection here between those three words, faith, hope, and love. Where will we read those? 1 Corinthians 13. And now Paul says, after his wonderful chapter on love, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, well, they're all pretty important, but love is, is clearly the glue that holds all that together. So faith and love spring from the hope that is in us. Now, if you uh, go back on the website, if you weren't here, you, I did actually preach a whole sermon about hope in Advent. So if you can go back to December, you can still find that on the website. So I talked quite a bit about uh, hope there. Hope is what keeps us going. Hopes, it's not just I hope so, you know, in a kind of I hope I'll win the lottery. It's actually a, a sure and certain <laughs> faith that actually things is going to work out, okay? So hope is what keeps us going, especially in the times when it's tough. So hope inspires faith, and hope inspires love. Um, but then you might ask the question, what gives us hope? What have we got to hope in? Well, Paul tells us two things. One, hope is stored in heaven. Um, I guess, uh, how many of you are looking forward to heaven? Yeah, okay. I wonder if we've got any idea what, what it's about. I mean, I wonder, sometimes people seem to think that this is about kind of sometimes being like, beam me up Scotty, so we all kind of disappear and we, we float around on a heavenly cloud with a, with a, with a, a lyre. Perhaps they can adapt guitars to that, but, you know, that we somehow float around uh, in some other place. I'm not sure that the Bible talks about heaven as another place. There's a whole other subject here. But it does say we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Both. In other words, there is hope of a renewed future. But heaven is all the way through the Bible is actually the presence of God. Hope is about the presence of God. And so uh, if we're looking forward to heaven, we're looking forward to being in the presence of God all the time. Now, you might say, well, that's, you know, it's all very well talking about pie in the sky when you die. What we need is some steak on the plate while we wait. You've heard that one before? Uh, actually, you know, all this pious hope of heaven in the future isn't a lot of hope necessarily to the starving child in Yemen, is it? It doesn't offer real hope uh, to them at that time. It, it seems a bit superficial. But, but the, the presence of God is actually now as well. Uh, and you will find out when we come later on in Colossians that actually Paul talks about us being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And the presence of God and being in his presence is for the now as well as the future. But, uh, but of course, uh, there are things in our present which uh, are painful and, and we'd quite be pleased to be shot of, arthritis, 
illness, cancer, bereavement, all those kind of things, we'd be very happy to be shot of those and just to be in the presence of God without those. Well, there is a hope that that will be one day, but there's also a, a, a reality of the presence of God now. And um, and because heaven seems a long way off if we view heaven like that. But actually, Paul says the other thing that gives him hope is the word of truth. We know that, the, that heaven is something which ultimately we won't experience until the future, but actually the word of truth is about the past and the present and the future. Uh, the word is what spoke creation into being. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and all things were made through him. The word is what spoke to Abraham and called out one person from whom God intended to build a new people, a people of faith. The word is the word that was spoken to the prophets who down the ages have spoken God's word into different situations then, but actually which have relevance for us now. And some of the prophetic writings have still not been fulfilled, but will be fulfilled in the future. We have uh, the word that is the written Bible, the written word, which is for us. Um, whether you read it on a, on a laptop or a tablet or a phone or a book or a scroll, it makes no difference. The word of God is something we have which is tangible. But most of all, uh, as we're only just out of the Christmas period, with the sixth, twelfth night yesterday, um, we have the word made flesh. We have Jesus. He has come. He was born. And, and we had a lovely display of the, of the stable behind us to remind us that's where Jesus was born, in a tangible, actual place. He is with us. Emmanuel, God, is with us. And he dwelt among us. The word became flesh. So we have Jesus. And we have uh, the knowledge of his death on the cross, which is why we have a cross you know, we can't really see it steamed up today, Keith, but Keith, uh, we can see this one, but there's one in the window as well. It reminds us that why Jesus came was to die on a cross so we could know pardon for sin. But most of all, Jesus rose from the dead. So the word of truth is that Christ, who is God, died, rose again, and is with us now forever. That's what gives us hope. I really don't know how people without Christ have any hope, do you? Um, you know, what hope is there? Well, I hope that next year is better than this year. And uh, so it was a conversation I've had with one or two people, you know, happy new year, well, this year is probably going to be the same as last, with good bits and bad bits, you know. <laughs> uh, you don't know what's going to come up this year. What hope have we got? You know, we've got an, an idiot in, in, in the White House. We've got, you know, we've got uh, despots in the other part of the world. What hope is there for this world? Well, the hope is in the word of God and the word of truth. Thank God. Mm. Hmm. And there's one word that sums up this hope, and it is gospel. Gospel is a word which translated from the Greek evangelion, which means good news. Good news. We have a gospel which is good news, and therefore, we have hope. If we just read our papers, you know, we would, you know, we, we would be in despair. Depending which paper you read, you would be in different kinds of despair. You know, um, but I won't go into that. 
This is good news, the Evangelion, good news of the Gospel, and that is why Paul and Timothy are thankful for the people at Colossae. Let's go back to where we were. He gives thanks for them because of their faith in Christ, their love for the saints, which springs from the hope that is within them, which is stored in heaven and based on the word of truth, which is the Gospel. That's Basically, in a nutshell, why Paul is thankful for these wonderful people at, uh, at Colossae. And he says, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. I mean, I think there's something like two billion Christians in the world now. Isn't that incredible? Started from one man, the Son of God, uh, and, and of course, uh, you can go back, it started really with uh, Abraham and, and all his seed, and now they're coming together um, across the world, and one little bunch of 12 disciples, weak and timid, a bit, uh, you know, not the kind of people that I would have chosen to be my disciples, but Jesus did, and it's spreading all over the world. But then Paul brings it back locally, just as it has been doing among you since the day you first heard it. I wonder if you can remember the day when you first heard the gospel. Some of you may uh, not remember that day because it may have been something you heard from childhood uh, and, it, uh, and you've grown up with it, but and it only one day dropped, the penny dropped. But the people in Colossae, Paul says, just since the day you first heard it from... Epaphras. Now there's a name to conjure with. Epaphras. Who on earth was Epaphras? But to the people in Colossae, he was the one that told them the gospel. So this church at Colossae didn't depend on Paul, it depended on Epaphras telling them uh, the, the gospel. But Paul describes him as a dear fellow servant. So Epaphras and Paul were not in competition. They were fellow servants doing the same job Paul went to Philippi, uh, Paphras went to uh, Colossae, and different people uh, went to different places and planted churches. Um, he's a dear fellow servant and a faithful minister of Christ, um, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So how does Paul know all this? He's, he's been talking to Epaphras, who told him all about this, which is why he gives thanks. So we've come right back full circle here. Epaphras has been talking to Paul, messages got to Paul in prison about all this wonderful stuff. And Paul is full of thankfulness and that inspires his prayers. Uh, and next week we're going to have a look at how he prays for them. We, we, we're not told in this passage how he prays, but next week we'll have a look what his prayers actually are. But they're full of thanksgiving. That's a fact. Now Epaphras is only mentioned in three verses in the Bible. Two of them in Colossians, where Paul talks about him. And then in um, Philemon, chapter, verse uh, 23, at the end of the letter of Philemon, where he's described as Paul's fellow prisoner. Ah, now it makes sense. Paul and Epaphras are in prison together. And they're encouraging each other with stories about what's happening in the Gospel. Isn't that wonderful? That's why Paul is full of hope, because he's hearing that even though he's locked up in prison, the gospel is not chained. That's from a different, uh, that's from Philippians. And therefore he gives uh, thanks for his fellow disciples 
uh, and he gives thanks for the people that helped him and help him on his journey. And what I'd like to do in, communi- in sort of conclusion today is just for a moment to think about your fellow disciples. I mean, you may be thinking about people in Five Head Baptist Church, or you may be thinking about people in other churches or other uh, places where you're still involved in, in the mission of Christ. But also, give thanks for the person that told you about Jesus. And I can think back to my childhood and my parents took me to Sunday school. Um, but do you know, it was uh, a few people, uh, there was John Churcher, who's, uh, if you're listening to this, John on the internet, uh, bless you. John was my youth club leader uh, at, at the Methodist church in St. Albans that we attended. And, and he was a real man of faith. He's a retired Methodist minister now. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it was um, John was one of those people that gave me hope and, and showed me what it was look, looks like for the gospel. You can think of other people in your life, maybe. Um, David Richardson, who's gone to be with the Lord, he, he was one person that encouraged me to consider ministry. Uh, and, uh, you know, I give thanks for him. Maybe you've got people in your heart. And we're going to finish now by just trying to ground this uh, in our own situations and we turn to, to prayer for a, sh- for a short while. Um, what do you want to give thanks for, for fellow disciples, particularly the people who told you about the gospel? And we could take that one step on further. Who is God calling you? If Paul is an apostle, a sent one, who have you got to pass this message on to? Maybe there's a colleague a neighbour, somebody in your family who you just need to pray for an opportunity to tell them about the gospel, the good news for which you give thanks. So let's just be quiet for a few moments. Then, If anyone wants to pray out loud, that's fine, but you may just want to pray in your heart and give thanks for those fellow disciples and all that they mean to you.